Knights to the offensive zone to Donoff. Between the legs, pass, White Cloud, scores! Two goals for White Cloud! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Works to the middle, he shoots, he scores! What a move from Nidwa! Three to one, Golden Knights! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Getting you set for the Vegas Golden Knights up against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I love my job. I love what I do. And uh, there's nights like this where it just goes up about uh, five or six notches. Malkin in the lineup. Crosby in the lineup. Latang going. Jari for the Pittsburgh Penguins against a rested and what we expect to be rejuvenated team on the Vegas Golden Knights side are trying to uh, pad their lead atop the Pacific Division. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace here at Section 104 T-Mobile Arena as we uh, watch the ice crew do their thing uh, down below us and Chris Chapman back in the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Uh, I'm going to go out and just make a prediction that in the next two weeks you are going to witness a tear by Riley Smith, William Carlson, and Jonathan Marchessault. And just watch that group that I think has been bit by a little frustration going up to the five-day break, being able to rinse that and come back refreshed. And between the Penguins game tonight and Montreal on Thursday and then that uh, big four-gamer next week, which is murderer's row, Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at uh, some of the other results of teams that have gone down that stretch, uh, the reset button for Smith, Marcheseau, and Carlson came at a perfect time and now they can get back to business yeah it's interesting that you you go to the misfits uh, i i look at it as as kind of that that stretch where you're you're looking for more i think out of mark stone and chandler stevenson for two guys that have been so so good for the golden knights all year long mark stone when he's been healthy and in the lineup has been a spark plug but uh, you know you you look at kind of the stretch mark had before getting before ha- having an injury again not being in the lineup he was lights out. He was per- putting on those dominant performances. That Tampa game, if, if Mark Stone does not leave that game with injury, I think the Golden Knights win it. So uh, I'm looking at Stone and Stevenson kind of getting back to that level where they are impacting and dictating games night in and night out. There was a, a stretch last season where Chandler Stevenson missed a couple of games because of a suspension that he incurred uh, because of elbowing against the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. And when he came back from that break, he was like shot out of a cannon. Yep. The n- noticeable difference between a refreshed and rested Chandler Stevenson to the one that was fatigued like every other player in the National Hockey League. And the, that was the best illustration I've ever witnessed that summarizes the rest is a weapon phrase. Uh, and Chandler Stevenson exhibited it to a tee, to, to the point that Max Pacioretty was noticeable, commented on it. Yeah. I just could not believe the, 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 the extra step that Chandler Stevenson had. And he already is fast and so skillful. Uh, that, that will make a difference, certainly, compared to the, the Pittsburgh Penguins who are finishing off this uh, 11-day, uh, six-game road trip. Uh, tonight against the the Vegas Golden Knights. They actually go home for one, and then they go back out on the road, which is uh, uh, almost unfair uh, because you've got the toughest uh, game to win coming off a long road trip, and then you go back out on on the road. Uh, But uh, 
Chandler Stevenson um, might be like uh, like a few different players. I think like this team really coming off of uh, uh, the New Year's uh, turning of the calendar has just been stuck in almost the dog days a little bit. Yeah, You get up for certain games, and then you're just trying to get through the other ones. And the, the five days without games uh, that they were able to enjoy and incorporate into their uh, schedule uh, with some practice time and some extra video work because of the canceled uh, postponed trip uh, to Edmonton and Calgary on the weekend uh, should serve them uh, very well. I, uh, I, the, the misfit line just looked like they, I mean, they were still getting some good chances. They were still all over it. Uh, uh, and, and Carlson got that goal uh, off his body, uh, in fact, uh, for, for his milestone goal. But there was, there was a, a, a level of frustration that you could see uh, in, in all of them. Uh, and it's also a big night for Jonathan Marcheseau in the NHL.com slash last men in process. Tonight is your final opportunity to cast a ballot. So you mm-hmm. can cast 10 more votes. You can vote 10 times in a 24-hour period. Yeah. You can cast 10 more votes for Jonathan Marceau and then whoever you want from the Central, from the uh, Atlantic, and from the Metropolitan. But if you're listening right now, put it in your memory bank if you're driving. Put it in the back of your mind. If you're not driving uh, you're just or if you're uh, at home, write it down. NHL.com slash in and vote for Jonathan Marcheseau, and let's see if we can get three Vegas Golden Knight players involved in the All-Star Weekend uh, in the first weekend of February. Pete DeBoer is there. Uh, Mark Stone is already selected. Alex Petrangelo is going to be there. And the players have talked uh, during this five days about how cool it would be to have a full three players from the Vegas Golden Knights go out there as a line in that three-on-three tournament. Yeah, it'd be awesome. It would be really cool if Pete DeBoer was able to put uh, Mark Stone, Jonathan Marcheseau, and Alex Petrangelo on the ice together, uh, say, to start the All-Star game. That would be a really cool moment here in the building for the Golden Knights and their fans. We will have the All-Star Skills Competition on the Friday night, and we will be broadcasting on Fox Sports Las Vegas the All-Star Game on Saturday afternoon. It's a noon start uh, here at T-Mobile Arena on the Saturday. So uh, along with the fan festival that is uh, going to occur uh, in and around the Strip and and all the highlights of having so many great National Hockey League players uh, in Vegas for the All-Star Game uh, festivities, uh, you will be able to listen to uh, the skills competition uh, with Dan Duva, Gary Lawless, uh, Shane Noddy will be involved. Uh, Ashley Weiss uh, will also uh, be participating, uh, uh, and uh, Ryan Wallace uh, will be here. So it's going to be all hands on deck for both the All-Star Skills Competition and the three-on-three All-Star Game Tournament on Saturday right here on uh, your home of the National Hockey League of the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, but uh, this, uh, this have you voted, by the way? Did you vote today? Yeah, of course. You didn't. Uh, you didn't. I can tell. Why? That was way too fast. Why did you ask me the question? Because I wanted to see if you would lie 
The or, funny thing or is, whether, I, or whether you would actually the, say, "I know, I still have to do it." No, the only person that's been called a liar from a credible source today is you. Yeah, Gary's uh, a little bit off the uh, the mark on that. I still credible have source. to. I have to cast my votes uh, for today. What were I've, you doing I've, this I've, morning? I've kind Come of on. changed it up uh, a little bit uh, as far as who I'm voting for. I'm spreading it around mm. uh, outside of uh, in, in the metro. Uh, but but I've been consistent in all my votes for the player coming out of the Atlantic, player coming out of the Central, and player coming out of the Pacific oh with, with Jonathan Marcheseau. So I'm, I'm curious whether my influence yeah. in stuffing the ballot box is going to make a difference to get Mark Shifley, Brady Kachuk, and Mark Stone all in the game. Why are or, you? Or sorry, uh, Jonathan Marcheseau in the game. Why are you shuffling things up in the Metro? I just I I can't nail it down. I don't really have a favorite in that. You just might as well not vote then. Yeah, no, but I I think that if I'm going to vote for the other three, uh, I should vote. You uh, could just not. Tonight, with Pittsburgh here, fatigue, six game road trip, right at the end. Mm-hmm. They uh, are I think they can't wait to to get it took twelve days in a in a COVID environment mm-hmm. and. Brian Rust, at the start of the road trip, was in Dallas. So it was game two, I think, in Dallas. He went into COVID protocol. He's now just out of the the hotel in, in Dallas and able to partake in this game tonight. That's that's how long the road trip has been. Mm-hmm. He's went, He started playing in the road trip, went into COVID protocol, and now he's out of the uh, COVID protocol and is able to play in this game. Yep. Context uh, right there for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I think they'll be excited to play tonight. Uh, they haven't been here in a couple of years. We've witnessed that from, from different teams and being in this environment. But if Vegas can can kind of get through that early stage of finding their feet, because there's it's they haven't played a game. That's a long time. Yeah, not playing playing games uh, for five straight days. Uh, the the onus will be on trying to get to their game as fast as possible. I don't think it'll be right away. There's going to be uh, some holding on, and and Pittsburgh will probably be able to carry the play in, in the early going. Uh, but I think Vegas should have a clear advantage the, the deeper this game goes. What's What's funny is you have a team in the Penguins that cannot wait to get this game over with, yeah, and a Golden Knights team that cannot wait to get this game started, <laughs> right? Like you've got a Penguins team that just wants to be done with the road trip, and you've got a Golden Knights team that just cannot wait to play a game. And and how that works itself out over the first ten minutes is going to be interesting because you know sometimes for the Golden Knights you have that energy and it, it carries you through early on, but I, I tend to agree with you. It, it's going to be up to the Penguins early on to see if they can dictate a rusty Golden Knights team. But once that rust is shaken off, I do expect the Golden Knights to be able to push the pace and really make this a a difficult game for the Penguins who are looking beyond this one and looking to get back home. I know exactly what the coaches are saying. They're saying don't beat yourself in the first 10 minutes. Don't do anything that is uh, off script. Get into the flow, roll some lines, Get into the game and establish a presence, but but don't be so sluggish that you allow the Penguins to to take any type of uh, significant advantage. The first ten minutes and force you to play catch up uh, for for the rest of the game. One of the worst things that could happen tonight, from a flow standpoint for Vegas, and this will sound weird because it'll it could be a good thing for the Golden Knights on any other night. 
is if there's early a lot of early penalties. Yeah. If it's a penalty-filled first period, or if there's an early power play for Vegas in the first two minutes, three minutes, that throws everything out of whack. Even though it's a man advantage, and you'll always, of course, take the man advantage. But it it throws the lines out. Maybe the, the, the fourth line doesn't get their shift until the first TV timeout. And... Uh, then, then you're trying to get them going into the game, and you're and you're worried about that type of uh, analysis of of where your team is at if you're beat to board instead of just rolling and, and and getting your team into the game. So if it's if it's a, a clean first period or uh, there's not a lot of penalties, that's another way that I, I think it helps Vegas get into the game and 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 get back to to where they want to be early on and to your point on on special teams they the penguins are a great penalty killing team so yeah. for the golden knights like we best in the league on the road we, yeah and we've seen moments within a game where the golden knights power play and inability to set up and inability to to continue and push that momentum forward has sucked momentum from their game so uh while you want to get into a rhythm you also don't want to have a moment where, say, you're playing well and then you do get a power play and it sucks momentum from mm-hmm. you. Then all of a sudden things can go a little bit south, a little bit haywire. I so, generally put that second and third period uh, type type thing with, with momentum because the first period is just you're trying to find it. Fair enough, but I, I think in this situation you want to try to start stacking those positive things yeah. in as, as soon and, and as quickly as you possibly can. And if you start the game early on with a power play – and it doesn't go well because the Penguins are so good at killing penalties, then you can start to doubt that aspect of your game as you go forward in this one. This might be the most coached or prepared game that the Golden Knights have played all year outside of game one against the Seattle Kraken. Because you've had so much practice time and time to work video with the players. Uh You've, you've had stretches like the Christmas break and, and so forth, but you didn't have that time with the players, with the athletes, uh, around those two postponed games between L.A. and Colorado, which bookended uh, Christmas. This, they've had the ability to sit down with players and do a lot of video work. They practiced a couple of times. Uh, they had an optional. They had uh, an off-ice workout. They, they've been around the player, along with the rest uh, that, that's worked into it. And, and Pete DeBoer has been very upfront going into tonight that he's watched other clubs come off, come off breaks because of COVID where they've, they've had extended uh, gaps in their schedule and they've stumbled and it's taken a while and, and maybe one game can bleed into two games where, and that's how things can, can go sideways. He's, he's been really uh, talking up the fact that they want to be the exception to what other teams have done this year and being prepared and being on their game and finding a way to win this game tonight. This isn't get into the game, find your flow, and and uh, and establish some rhythm for the rest of the season. This is get in, get established right away, and win this game tonight. This game, he's putting a lot of emphasis on the result of this game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important, again, as we've, we've talked about, on this homestand, it was an opportunity to create some separation. And the Golden Knights have gotten some help over the last six days where Anaheim has not been able to to overtake the Vegas Golden Knights. The LA Kings have not been able to overtake the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, in that aspect, you, you look at this and you say, these are two points that are absolutely vital. You want to finish 
this homestand with two wins. It starts tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you have to be ready and dialed in, if not physically to start the game, mentally. And I think that's going to be the big aspect for me for the Golden Knights is the game between the ears and the ability to make sure that you're playing mistake-free hockey early on to give your body a chance to get the, to get back into the game, to get into the game, and then allow your your ability as a team to, to overtake the Penguins, who should be tired midway through this game. They, well, if you can jump on them and make them doubt themselves a little bit and make them think about, okay, let's just get home, you can make the night a lot easier on yourself. Could. Pittsburgh's a 200-foot team, though. And if you turn the puck over against this team in the first 10 minutes mm-hmm. with the players that they have and the centermen that they have and Malkin and Carter and Crosby and somebody like Jake Gensel who's just running with it and Rust who's ready to go. Like Before he went into COVID protocol, he had three straight games with multiple goals. They have a lot of guys who put the puck in the net uh, mm-hmm. along yeah. with Crystal Tank. So if you're not sharp early, it can go the, go the other way. Uh, your point... Like Vegas, uh, about other teams having the potential to catch them during this break and not being able to do that, uh, Vegas still has a three-point lead uh, on first place mm-hmm. over Los Angeles and Anaheim. And the most important number there is not just the three points, but it's games played. Los, Los Angeles has one game in hand on Vegas. Yep. That number was so much higher for a while. Anaheim's actually played more games than Vegas. San Jose, same number of games. You're starting to see and be able to look at the at the standings with a little bit more uh, realistic takeaway. Yeah. As opposed to trying to factor in, oh well, they could they could really pile it up. Now Cal- the Canadian teams in, in Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver uh, haven't played as many games. Certainly Edmonton and Calgary, and they they hold uh, games in hand, but. You're starting to get uh, a truer uh, baseline of, of the standings. And after all the stuff that, that Vegas has been through that we document here every day, uh, they're still they're still first place, which is where you expected them to be, mm-hmm. you predicted them to be, and uh, where they are. It hasn't, hasn't traveled the path that we uh, sought out. You had to use ways and say, oh, a detour ahead and, and skirt around it. But you're still at, at the same spot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been about the journey this year for the Golden Knights, really. It, it, you know, you're, you're kind of at the destination you always expected to be, but the journey's been quite, quite different than it's been really at any other point in time in the Golden Knights history. And I think that, you know, you, you go through that type of adversity, you go through these pockets where it's been a struggle. You go through head coach Pete DeBoer after the Toronto game saying the next man up stuff is getting old. You, you go through all of those things, but in the process, you're learning a lot about your team. You're learning a lot about which guys are going to step up in those moments where you need a spark. You're learning a lot about where this Golden Knights team and their depth is with Dodonov and, and, and Matthias Yanmark, who has been really, really good of late for the Golden Knights. So, um, you know, it, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting situation of how they've gotten to this point, but I also see no reason to doubt that this is where they're going to be at the end of the year. Like this is a team that is built to win this division. And even if the, even if that journey looks different, the destination is always going well, to be the same. The other teams had their chance. Yeah. And they didn't do any, they didn't well, do enough with it. I think they did something with it, 
but Vegas didn't fold. Yeah. Vegas stayed in the race, and that's been uh, impressive. Like Anaheim, I'm not sure much more they could have done. They've been lights out. Well, they're, uh, I mean, their offense is going, yeah. right? Like, and that's the, that's, that's the problem. They're, the offense dried up, and that's what's happened. But, but they're still they, they're overachieving compared to what we expect at the start of the year. Sure. Even L.A., probably a, a little bit. Edmonton and Calgary have been disappointments. They, they haven't done uh, as much. But Vegas, Vegas could be right there with them right now Vegas could be mid 40s or low 40s in points if there's uh not the suitable reaction that you witnessed and they got that when Pete DeBoer said the like next man up is 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 getting old I'm I'm with him there there's been two points this year when the injuries piled up in October and you're wondering can can they get through one game without losing somebody yeah and there was a run of games where it didn't happen, yeah. where they lost somebody every night they played. And then the other night against the Toronto Maple Leafs, when they had three players placed into COVID protocol uh, on the day of the game, I think it's it's a lot similar to that injury experience, where can we not go one morning or one day without somebody being placed into COVID protocol? Or have to deal with with something of a, of a player being plucked out, where they come and knock on the door and say X, Y, and B are are out of the lineup. That that is that's getting old. When you come to the rink and you think I know what my lineup is, and then it changes not just once, but twice, mm-hmm. and then three times, and you lose those players for five days at least, and and then they. Uh, then they might come back, but who who do you lose in between? And that's why this five-day break mentally for the coaches and for management is probably uh, as as much as it was for the physical rest for the players where you don't have to worry about that knock on the door and, and who, you're, who you're going to lose and who's going to be uh, out on the ice and, and just because of the COVID factor. Uh, that, the, the Omicron or the, the variant uh, influence on, on the positive tests has really uh, accelerated the stress level uh, of of all the game planning that you're able to do. Yeah, I, I think, you know, from, from just a, a standpoint of breaking up the season, and, and I know that, you know, you look at the, the holiday pause, and that was just a little bit less uh, in terms of what I think you were able to get from this break. You were able to get practice time. You were able mm. to get a couple of days to just completely decompress. And and I think you're going to get a team that's more rejuvenated that, that is is, you know, just about at that halfway point in the season, looking toward the back half, looking toward better things that better times ahead, hopefully with injuries and players returning to the lineup. And I think you almost can sense and, and it's it's dangerous to say that with this season, but you can almost sense a finish line of sorts for the Vegas Golden Knights just in terms of getting players back and also this season. Mm-hmm. You're you're at the halfway point now. You're now you're staring down the end of the season in the playoffs, and and I, I think there's merit in that in just saying okay we have we have been through a lot. That's in the past now. Now we're looking ahead. Now we're now we're moving forward. You know what else happened over the break these these five days without games? They got to look at Jack Eichel. Yeah. The players got to look at Jack Eichel. Yeah. And some of the fans got to look at Jack Eichel. And, excited about Jack Eichel. And Pete. Pete did not shove that to the side and say we'll 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 
get a good look at Jack when he's ready to play and he's, and he's in the lineup. He fully admitted that the appearance of Jack in Vegas and now participating in all the, the team drills, even though he's in the red non-contact drill, uh, jersey, uh, having him out on the ice has given this team a boost yeah. in the practices and a little spark. And you, you don't see that a lot from from players who aren't in the lineup. Yeah. Now, when Max Pacioretty comes back, I'm sure that there'll be uh, a, a similar jump. But Max is, I assume, still around the team uh, behind the scenes. Jack is, like, fresh all over the place. And we talked about him being able to get used to all the uh, nuances of Vegas and, and how things run and are structured. But the reciprocation of, of that, of seeing him on the ice with the other players and doing line rushes, has given this team uh, a bit of a, a boost. Uh, that's a look at uh, tonight's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, final thoughts coming up. But up next, it's the one-timer segment. News and notes from around the National Hockey League as uh, we work our way towards the opening face-off. Uh, we want to do the the Montreal tickets here? Or yeah. do you want to do the UNLV tickets? We'll, we'll go Montreal right Montreal. here. Montreal. You want two tickets to see the Montreal Canadiens? Final game of the eight-game homestand. Be the 10th caller right now. 702-876-1340. 702-876-1340. Be caller number 10 for good old Guy LaFleur and Nick Waugh. It's the VGK Insider Show with one-timers coming up next. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Let's take a look at some afternoon action. This will be kind of like an out-of-town scoreboard update uh, for you. Uh, due to the holiday, uh, Martin Luther King Day, we have uh, plenty of uh, matinee action. And Timo Meyer scored one, two, three, four, five goals. Five goals in one game as the San Jose Sharks uh, brush aside the Los Angeles Kings. Five goals. First time that a player has scored five goals in a game since the year 2000 as the Sharks uh, beat the Kings 6-2, despite being outshot (laughs) 41-17. Gotta love hockey, right? Um, I mean, listen, I am all for uh, guys scoring a ton of goals in a game. I I love the fact that uh, Timo Meyer put five up on the L.A. Kings. Uh, by himself. I love the fact that it was five goals in the first two periods and every time he was on the ice in the third period, hockey Twitter was going crazy. They were going nuts hoping that there would be another, that there would be a sixth goal, a seventh goal for Timo Meyer. Um, But yeah, have yourself uh, an afternoon. That's just fantastic. It's fun. I read that wrong. Fifth player to score five goals in a game since 2000. Fifth player. The last one to do it, Mika Zibanejad of the New York Rangers in the year 2000. Insane. And and they're outshot badly, outplayed badly, and they still win 6-2. Doesn't make any sense. A Seattle Kraken stopped a nine-game skid as they win in a shootout over the Chicago Blackhawks. This, is, this could end up being an ugly season for the Seattle Kraken. Even though they win today, it's all about ending a long skid. Those are, those are two teams in... In very unique places, and I expect both will be sellers in a couple of months. Is it is it not already a, a, 
a bad season? Like, is it not already there for Seattle? Yeah, but there's still that new car smell to it. I don't, it, think, it's, it could, I don't think it's there anymore. You get to a point where you're losing almost double-digit games and you're in the uh, the basement by a good little margin here in the in the Pacific Division, it could get really, really bad. Darren, the Arizona Coyotes are one win away from tying the Seattle Kraken. Is that updated? Yes. Because the Arizona Coyotes won today. Fairly so. <laughs> Arizona Coyotes. Oh, oh, no, this is this is bad. This one is today. Bad. Yes, it's uh, it's one game. Arizona's oh, got nine wins. Okay. All right, in Seattle. Now it's the updated for Seattle. So, yeah. so yeah. they're two, two wins yeah. north of Arizona. Uh, Arizona beat Montreal 5-2. The big news uh, for the Canadians, outside of losing six in a row, uh, they'll be here on Thursday. <laughs> if you can beat Sid and then follow it up against Montreal and end the, the homestand 4-2-2, two and two, winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's that's a big uh, win. Get points out of six of eight. Huge win tonight. But the big news for the Montreal Canadiens today is the news that – Carey Price, who uh, hasn't played this year, uh, both uh, entering the player uh, assistance program and also coming off the surgically repaired uh, procedure on his knee. Uh, they've revealed that he's going to have to start his uh, rehab on his knee all over again. And he's not back to square one because that would mean having another surgery. But it's going to be a while, and indications are certainly that uh, we may not. It's starting to look more and more likely that we may not see a lot of Carey Price this year as we uh, are now at the halfway point. That's really disappointing. Yeah, it's it's incredibly disappointing as, as you know, Carey Price is, is one of the game's best goalies and you want him in the lineup. You want him to be able to play um, because he's fun to watch. He, it's, it's, it's enjoyable to watch him play his position and you know, the, the only thing that I'm thinking of right now is that he's able to get himself to a, a point at some point in the future where he's able to get back and play hockey games. And, and that's really where the, the only focus needs to be right now for Carey Price. No timetable for his return. Uh, he'd been making slow progress. And then Montreal Canadiens had to pause all team activities due to uh, COVID-19. And he wasn't able to use that pause to make uh, any strides uh, or any uh, step forward. And so he is uh, he is out uh, indefinitely. Uh, we have NHL.com slash last men in. Your opportunity today is the deadline to vote for Jonathan Marcheseau to get him into the uh, All-Star Weekend, the first weekend of February here in in Vegas. And if it doesn't happen, I blame Brian Wa- Ryan Wallace. Uh, Ryan, you uh, will be fully responsible if Jonathan Marcheseau doesn't get in. Yep. All right. Uh, Avalanche topped the wild. Mentioned that earlier in uh, hour number one. Uh, Darcy Kemper, though, injured in the second period uh, for Colorado, did not finish the game. No update given on the goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche, who have won 14 in a row at home. But instantly, uh, my mind flashes to, will Colorado go out and get a goalie? I'm not sure how much flexibility they have, and I and I do have faith in Darcy Kemper. I, I, I like Darcy Kemper more than I like Philip Grubauer last year, and he was a Vezina Trophy uh, finalist. <laughs> but that was... Uh, that will be telltale. It, it was a high hit by uh, Greenway, and it was uh, it started a brouhaha uh, in the game. 
I'll be I'll be curious to see what the update is there uh, as the Colorado Avalanche try to deal with uh, this one. But they did win the game. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I mean, I, I think it depends on kind of what you think a timetable is for Darcy Kemper. I, I would argue that the Colorado Avalanche are, are rolling here, and, and you could probably win regular season games with, with kind of a, a combination right. menagerie of goaltending for sure. But, uh, I mean, if you're sold on Darcy Kemper long term, if you're sold on his ability to get you through the playoffs, I, I don't think you panic in this situation and go out and look for a goalie because I, I just think the way Colorado's playing – you're going to still be able to win enough hockey games to win that division and get yourself into a good spot. So don't rush Darcy Kemper back. Don't panic into a situation where you, you acquire something you're not going to, to use or need in, in the playoffs. Um, I think patience here is, is where you have to be if you're, the, if you're Joe Sackick in the Colorado Avalanche. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the uh, player safety department gets involved in this one. Yeah. Looked like Jordan Greenway gave him a little bit of a nudge. As yeah. he went by. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I, I, I would be surprised if it didn't happen to uh, result in some type of, of finer suspension for Jordan Greenway. Uh, the comments from Jared Bednar after it says, I don't know where Darcy Kemper's at. I think he meant that uh, big picture-wise. Sure. Yeah. Not, I think he knew where he was inside the building. Mm -hmm. uh, and he'll see uh, where he responds. But uh, uh, how he responds tomorrow. Colorado with four games in hand. Uh, and they have a two-point lead for the division now uh, over the Nashville Predators. So uh, a bit of a cushion that they've been able to build up on that side of it. Uh, the Coyotes, 9,000 people in their building today okay. for the game against the, the Montreal Canadiens. Sure. Plenty of good seats still available. Uh, Seattle Kraken uh, beat the, the Blackhawks. Uh, that one uh, is a... Is a Back and forth of the Chicago Blackhawks. I, I kind of thought that they would turn a corner a little bit. Hasn't hasn't happened, especially, I mean, they went through the really tough time leading into the Vegas game, and I keep waiting for for it to, to jumpstart, beyond what they did when, when Derek King took over. Uh, that hasn't been the case. No. Um, yeah, the Chicago Blackhawks aren't a very good hockey team. And, and like, I've been... I've been banging that drum all season long, and you know, even though Mark Andre Fleury the last two weeks has been lights out for Chicago, they're they're just they're not going to make any ground. Like this isn't going to be a team that's going to go on a bit of a run and, and push and, and be among those teams that are battling it out for a playoff spot. I think their season's pretty much um, the writing's pretty much on the wall, and the only question I have in terms of Chicago is. Do they play that big chip that they have in goal? Do they find a way to trade Marc-Andre Fleury at the deadline to a team that needs a goalie, <clears throat> Edmonton, uh, and get something of value in return for it? Congratulations to my good pal, Chris Pronger, who had his number 44 raised to the rafters tonight uh, in St. Louis at Enterprise uh, Center mm -hmm. prior to the game against the Nashville Predators. He was unique. He Good was, word. He's Norris Trophy winner, yep. MVP. He's still sour. He didn't win more Norris trophies and feels like uh, like the media held it against him because he was uh, combative and he and he had a quick uh, quick wit and a forked tongue in his uh, conversations with the media and felt like the, they penalized him for, for that. But he was mean. He was dirty. He was skilled. He was fun. He was 
big, and boy, could he put a team on his shoulders as well. Gangly, like he wasn't that that thick, big, tough defenseman. Like he was, he was thinner, but could still like if you turn your your eyes away from him, he poke you in the back of the leg or slash you or do something. He he was fun and and smart, vindictive. He, the, the night that the, the Chicago Blackhawks beat the Philadelphia Flyers in, in, in a Stanley Cup final game, he went and stole the puck. Yeah. And still has it. Yeah. He um, he was really, really um, a mix of everything you'd want a defenseman to be, right? Like, there were moments where, as you mentioned, like, it, it, it wasn't always physicality. It was mind games within. Yeah. It was waiting for the referee's eyes to avert for a moment to to get something sneaky in there and you know for me i it's it's the skill with which he played the position it's it's his ability to hammer the pocket it was just how good and and for me it was that anaheim ducks team with with pronger and niedermeyer and the ability to just roll those two guys out on the ice in every situation and and that team was a juggernaut because of what they had on the back end and because of Chris Pronger. He played for Edmonton, they went to the final. Yep. Played for St. Louis, is best player in the game. Played for Philadelphia, went to a championship series. Played for Anaheim, won the Stanley Cup. That's that's pretty good. And now he, now he's doing he was working with the Florida Panthers for for a long time. Now he's uh, in business. Uh, he and his wife have this uh, company, Wellness Inspired Travels. If you follow him on Instagram, some some great stuff and they they basically set up people find these great places for people just to go and and visit and it's awesome so and it's in an amazing follow on instagram wellness inspired travels uh a little bit of a plug for uh my good friend chris pronger who's number 44 is in the rafters i love talking to him because he's gonna beat you down verbally in a fun way like just jabby and poke you it's a lot of fun not like you. You're just a curmudgeon. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to get you to laugh one of these days. I uh, am. It's not going to happen. One of these days. Uh, those are your one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Catching up with Chapman as we uh, continue. But right now we have tickets to give away to UNLV Hockey, right? Yeah, it's a four-pack to any remaining home game for the UNLV Rebel Hockey Club. So 702-876-1340. Caller number seven. Seven. You've won a four-pack to UNLV. It was jammed at City National Arena on the weekend uh, against Jamestown. Catching up with Chapman after he's done catching up with you on the phones uh, next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Mike and Michael are winners of the Montreal Canadiens and the UNLV tickets as we slide it over to, oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. I'm excited for tonight. It's going to be a fun game. Like we were talking about in one of the breaks, we have not seen Sidney Crosby play at T-Mobile Arena in almost, it's like three years. Yeah, three almost three years to the day on the 19th. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. I don't remember the game. I just remember the first time 
uh, that, that the Penguins came to, to Las Vegas, T-Mobile, and Marc-Andre Fleury made this save where he was out by one of the face-off circles. Um, he, he came all the way out that far to, to make a save. But uh, I'll tell you, I'll see if you remember the game. Last time Sidney Crosby played at T-Mobile, Vegas won, scoring seven goals, and Jonathan Marcheseau had a hat trick. Wow. Does that, I, does that ring your bell at no, all? No, it doesn't. But uh, I do remember the first time the Penguins were here also when John Merrill scored the game-winning goal. And I can't remember who it was who asked him in the postgame. Is that the you? first time you'd – no, it was not me. So in, was that the first game-winner you ever scored? And he kind of laughed. He was like, no, I had like three of them in New Jersey. We looked it up. He only had like seven career goals with the Devils. So it was pretty pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, that was a very memorable game. And uh, I'm excited for tonight because I love watching Sidney Crosby play and – he gets some reinforcements back tonight, too, so certainly going to be a fun game, I think, from uh, from a fan perspective. Jari's been great. Robin Leonard's put together three really good games in a row. That said, I, I, this, this one could end up like being a wild one tonight. I want like 6-5. I want 6-5, too. That's why you and I are a two-man wolf pack on Fox Sports Las Vegas. The pregame show is coming up next.